Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I am Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts and 24-7 Sports. It's a big week. We're talking Ohio State-Michigan, the game um, so big that I forgot to grab myself a beer. Um, actually, I have a lot to do the rest of the day, so I'm going to take it easy today. I do have some water, uh, much to the disappointment, I assume, of many people out there, but Lots to do this week, plenty of drinking time to be had with the Thanksgiving holiday and the weekend after the game. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. I don't want to waste a bunch of time. We're going to start today's podcast talking about the other side of the rivalry here, and we'll bring in Alejandro Zuniga from the Michigan Insider, the 24-7 Sports Michigan website. Alejandro, how's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad this game's finally here. It's uh, it's been a long 365 days, uh, a lot of football, non-football stuff. But it's my favorite week of the year. Love Thanksgiving. Love this rivalry, and just so excited to to be able to be there on Saturday. Yeah, a long 365 days is uh, made even longer when you lose this game, right? When whichever team does not come out on top, the last two seasons. That has been Ohio State. Um, 15 of the 16 times previous, it was Michigan. I want to start by asking you kind of the vibe in Ann Arbor as we head into this game. Obviously, that's where the game will be played. Having won two games in a row, let's just talk on the football field right now, um, sort of what people feel like for this game. We can get to some of the off-field stuff here in a little bit, but just how are how are the Michigan fans feeling about Ohio State coming to town? Yeah, I think I- – for most of the year, I think the the feeling has been confidence. Um, we've seen what Michigan's been able to do against Ohio State each of the last couple of years. And quite frankly, this, as we've talked about all fall, like Michigan came into this season feeling like this could be a national championship year type of season. And I don't think anything that's really happened this fall on the football field, at least, has really changed those expectations, right? Like Michigan hasn't really been tested uh, and you know, that's in large part because of their own scheduling decisions. It's in large part because the big 10 frankly, isn't very good this year, um, outside of maybe the top three of Penn state, Ohio state and Michigan. Uh, but Michigan comes into this game feeling like it's one of the best teams in the country. And, you know, knowing what happened the last couple of years, knowing that they're getting the Buckeyes at home, uh, you know, when we talked, you know, w- when we thought about this game, uh, maybe before 2021, uh, I think Michigan fans probably felt like Ohio State was this invincible beast that, as you mentioned, Michigan just hadn't beaten them. It seemed like this this mountain that couldn't be summited. And then once it happened, it's like the dam broke a little bit. And all of a sudden, look, this team is vulnerable, uh, is what Michigan fans feel. Michigan seems like it has a formula to beat Ohio State. And why not have that formula continue on November 25th at home with a team that that Michigan feels like can win it all this year. The last two weeks, Michigan went to Penn state and got a, the the first really challenging win for the Wolverines, as you mentioned of the season, Um, the second half able to run the ball nearly every play Uh, last week against Maryland gets up. What was it? 21 to nothing. Um, Something. Well, it was, there was a three in there somewhere. I don't know. There were, there were safeties. There were, you know, kicks out of the end zone, Right. It was a little wild. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a big enough lead uh, that felt like it was going to be a blowout. And then it very much was not. Yeah. So has that changed from an outside perspective, changed any thoughts about this game, these last two weeks of like, these were kind of the first real challenges. The games were maybe closer than the games earlier in the year or Michigan fans viewing that as, Hey, look, Penn state's a really good team. They played really well against Ohio state. And that was a close game. Maryland was the week before, the Ohio State game on the road, just kind of what, what, what if anything, have the last two weeks changed in, in people's minds? Yeah, I, I think looking, again, at the football aspect of it, when you look at the Penn State game, listen, it was very impressive that Michigan ran the ball 32 straight times uh, to win that game. It was, you know, uh, look, we can still do this. Let's, and we can prove it. We can, you, we can tell you exactly what we're going to do every single play because we're going to have nine offensive linemen out there and you're still not going to be able to stop us. But the reason they did that, right? The reason they did that is because Michigan could not block Penn State's edge rushers. 
And that I think is a concern going into the Ohio state game. The, the right tackle in particular, Carson Barnhart had a ton of issues against Penn state and he had issues also, you know, the following week, last week against Maryland, you know, two lackluster performances that when the level of competition is increasing and we know what Ohio state brings to the table, uh, that, that raises concerns. Um, so that's, that's a matchup I will be looking at very closely is, is Michigan going to be comfortable dropping back and passing the ball against a very talented defensive line because they didn't have to against Penn state, uh, but they also really couldn't, right. You know, JJ McCarthy does go seven for eight, but he is under pressure every single time he drops back. And that's why Michigan shifts its game plan entirely. Uh, similar on the defensive side of the ball where there are really no top 25 offenses, passing offenses that Michigan had faced before Maryland. Mm-hmm. Maryland, I think, is number 26 at this point. But you know, Ohio State is the best passing offense Michigan's faced. And a lot of what we think about, about Michigan's defense is based on the returning players and what they were able to do last year, right? Will Johnson had a fantastic freshman season. You know, Rod Moore, Macari Page, the two safeties, had very solid years last year, Rod Moore in particular. All three of them have been dinged up. Like they were dinged up earlier in the season. They've gotten healthy, but they haven't really been tested by potent passing offenses. Talia Tungavailoa had a pretty decent game, right? He he had his normal Tungavailoa, you know, tributes where he had some really awful turnovers. You know, he he had a fumble returned for a touchdown. He threw a couple of interceptions. It was a windy day, so that may have had a factor. But also, you know, Josh Wallace, the corner who transferred from UMass, he got beat over the top a couple times. Will Johnson, the five-star, he got beat over the top for, you know, a, a deep play that was called a touchdown. I think they ultimately ruled it at the one. But, you know, the secondary was beaten in ways we haven't seen all season. And that could be, oh, it was just the week before Ohio State. Or it could be that was the first decent passing offense Michigan has seen all fall. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like mental gymnastics here. You look a year ago, Ohio State goes to Maryland, same situation, has to win the game. Uh, you know, I think they had a fumble that they recovered for a touchdown late that, that made it look a little bit better. Uh, Michigan was at Illinois, right? And that game was uh, it was home against game. Illinois last oh, year. Okay. Yep. Um, and obviously, Michigan had some guys that, that didn't play in that game, but you know, just trying to figure out, okay, is is this real or is this just? Teams looking ahead. I mean, Ohio State was only up 13-0 against Minnesota at home last week at halftime. So I, I do find it every year interesting kind of as we head into the game. You know, we've seen it before, records, momentum. It doesn't necessarily matter. Um, but, you know, I, I know that's been talked about a lot in Columbus is, well, Michigan look, didn't look great after the first quarter or so in, in, in College Park. We'll see on Saturday. Um, let's get into that. I was on your show earlier. We went position by position with um, Ohio State. We won't go as detailed into that, but I will ask you about a few things here. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy earlier. It's looked like from watching on TV he's been a little banged up. Uh, is that fair to say? And what's kind of your expectation for him health-wise in this game? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I don't I don't think it's anything structural or anything of that nature. I mean, he uh I, I don't know if it was a Penn State game or what, but he certainly he took a, a shot to the legs and whether that's a, a bone bruise or something along those lines. Uh but certainly looked a little bit hobbled pregame at Maryland, looked decent enough during the game. Um I think the big thing with him, uh Michigan has been very careful about when they choose to run the ball with JJ McCarthy. Um, in large part because they know that if JJ goes down, you know, the the ceiling for this team falls along with him, right? Yeah. Um, so we saw Michigan utilize JJ McCarthy against Penn State. You know, in fact, they ran they ran basically power with him, where they would just, you know, snap the ball to him and he'll take off and picked up a couple first downs in that in that department. But against Maryland, all of the non-conference teams and basically any game that Michigan felt this year that they did not have to run JJ McCarthy to win the game. They did not run JJ McCarthy. I think that's going to change against Ohio state because his legs add so much dynamism to this offense in so many ways, right? There is, of course, he's a very talented runner. um, So he can pick up yards on the ground as Ohio state saw last year. But also when you show 
live reads, when you, when, when you present that option to a linebacker, to a safety, it causes that split second of confusion that opens up the interior run game. Right. And then, as I mentioned, you know, there are potential issues at the tackle position. JJ is going to have to scramble. He's going to have to keep plays alive somehow. He's going to, you know, Michigan's going to want to run the ball, but you're, you need to have JJ McCarthy playing one of his better games. You know, as we've talked back and forth about Kyle McCord versus JJ McCarthy, uh, I think Michigan feels pretty comfortable in that for the first time in a very long time, it could have the better quarterback coming into this game. It's been a while since Michigan could say that. And that's not a slight to Kyle McCord, who's had a very good year. But, you know, JJ McCarthy, this is year two as a starter versus right. year one from McCord. This is his third time playing in this rivalry, second time starting in it. It's at home. You know, it's all of these things. Um, and if Michigan needs JJ McCarthy to be the better quarterback on Saturday, I think he can be. But, you know, the last couple of weeks have, have not been his strongest performances for sure. You got me trying to think here. When was the last time you could definitely say Michigan had the better quarterback in this game? It's been, it's been a while. I mean, we may be going back to like Chad Henney. Yeah. I mean, even Henney, like he, I don't remember in in 2007, I know he got to the game. He was injured. He couldn't, he couldn't throw the ball. Yeah. You know, I remember Ryan Mallett played uh, a significant portion of that game. uh, Rest in peace. Um, Denard Robinson, you know, in, in 2011, uh, that was, that was that freshman Braxton Miller, uh, for Ohio state where it's like, you know, was Denard Robinson the best quarterback? You know, no, but he was maybe the better quarterback for that situation. Um, but it's been a long time. Right. And, uh, listen, JJ McCarthy is not going to win the Heisman trophy this year. Uh, there was, you know, a period where, you know, a one week stretch where he was the favorite and, I kind of laughed at anyone who really bought into that, like even before the season, like this is, it, it's not a Michigan offense that's going to rely on a quarterback enough that he's going to win the Heisman ever. Um, but he is a very good quarterback and he, for the most part, there have been two games this year, the Maryland game last week and the Bowling Green game, uh, the third week of the season where he has made mistakes, you know, outside of those two games, he hasn't thrown an interception. You know, he hasn't really had any game breaking mistakes. And yeah. you look at his record as a starter, you look at what he's been able to do both last year and this year. And you think, you know, if we get the JJ McCarthy that, that, that he showed last week, you know, there's going to be some problems for Michigan's offense, but the majority of his games, he's played well enough uh, to be the better quarterback and to put Michigan in position to win. Obviously, he's got a, a very productive run game behind him. Um, maybe not statistically as productive as in uh, the past couple of years, but you still know what Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards can do. Um, is there any chance that we see something from this running game that you, that you haven't seen this year coming in this game? I know some people have talked about those backs being in the backfield together more. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you kind of expect from the run game against Ohio State? Yeah, a hundred percent. I like. I don't. I don't know any secret facts about what they're going to pull out, but they will a hundred percent. Yeah, they they've got an ace up their sleeve um, that they've been saving for this game. As does Ohio State, right? There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think big picture, this running game has not been as good as last year. Um, there's there's no kind of other way to slice that they run for a yard per carry less than they did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have nearly as many explosive plays. Um, they just, they haven't hit the home runs and yeah, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the offensive line isn't quite as good as it was last year. Um, no big surprise. They won the Joe Moore award last year. They had, you know, the outland trophy and Remington trophy winner at center. Uh, they don't have that anymore. Right. Um, I also think Donovan Edwards, like, he's not the in between the tackles type runner that I think Michigan fans kind of expected him to be this year. Uh, But when you're looking at what the Michigan run game is going to look like against Ohio state, I think if they have to lean on one person, it's going to be Blake Corum. No doubt about that. You know, he's the guy who returned for this year in large part because he wanted to play in this game. He has been, you know, he was injured last year. Obviously he got, I think two carries for five yards on a torn meniscus Uh, didn't go too well. Uh, 
he was banged up in 21 and he, I mean, he was the backup that year, but he was on a high ankle sprain and, you know, he had that carry in the second half that a healthy Blake Corum probably breaks for a touchdown for, for him. That was like a 30 yard gain or something like that, but he is healthy for this game for the first time in his career. And Michigan will lean on him, right? He's a guy who is five foot eight, but a bowling ball, right? He, he can out leverage people. He can turn, you know, one yard into four yards and four yards into nine yards. And that's very important. He's not the home run type hitter. He doesn't have the top end speed that he had when he was lighter. He's also not quite as shifty maybe as last year. And that could be in part because he's coming off that knee injury. Um, but I think if you're looking at curveballs that Michigan will throw at Ohio state, I think it's Donovan Edwards is who you look at. You know, he's a guy who, Again, not as good between the tackles, uh, but he is extremely versatile. He is a guy who Michigan will run routes with out of the backfield. He's a guy that Michigan will split out as a slot receiver, as a wide receiver. And if you put a linebacker or a safety on him, you know, that especially a linebacker, like that's a one-on-one battle that Michigan feels like it's going to win. And he's just a headache for defenses, right? Because, Because he can do so much. If he's on the field, if he's in motion, it opens up a lot. Um, and yeah, we have not seen Quorum and Edwards on the field at the same time a ton. We've seen Quorum or Edwards uh, with kind of the third down back, uh, a former linebacker turned running back. Um, but I, I do expect that we'll see something interesting, something unique uh, that we haven't seen at all this year before. Brad Kramer asked, and this kind of takes me into the next question and coming off of surprising he said what are the odds the team up north comes out throwing the ball we talked about jj mccarthy um obviously ohio state expects to have to defend the run what does jj mccarthy have receiver wise i know there's been some some guys banged up in that room um who do you expect to be kind of his top target and then to brad's question could michigan come out maybe throwing more than ohio state might expect i do think that they have to get jj mccarthy in a rhythm Mm-hmm. Um, so while I listen, the, the identity of the Michigan football team is still a team that wants to beat you in the trenches. And that means running the ball, uh, the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but with Sharon Moore as the acting head coach, uh, and he's the offensive coordinator and he's the offensive line coach. It has been a very conservative, Hey, we're just going to run the ball at you a bunch and we're going to win the game that way. Um, but I do think that given how little Michigan used McCarthy against Penn state and how kind of out of sync he was against Maryland. I do think that they're going to want to get him into a better rhythm. Um, So that could involve, you know, they're not going to throw the ball around to the level that Ohio state does. Um, But I could see them getting that part of their offense going a little bit earlier than maybe last year Uh, in terms of who McCarthy has as, as options. You know, Roman Wilson is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, he he was out. He took a knock, uh, probably like a, a head injury type thing uh, early in that Maryland game. Uh, the Fox broadcast said uh, that it was precautionary. Uh, it does sound like he's trending toward playing, um, but it's a head injury. So those type of things are, you know, they're, they're tough to predict and they're tough to kind of timeline out. Um, but he is Michigan's top receiver, right? He's a... Hawaii native, uh, who, who's a speedster. He can take the top off a of defense. He's got great hands. Uh, Michigan uses him in motion a ton because when he's moving before the snap, uh, it is tough to get someone, you know, lined up against him. And, you know, whether it's a quick out or whatever it is, it is uh, kind of passing wise, the bread and butter of the offense. Um, so his health, something to keep an eye on heading into the game, but I do think he'll give it a shot to play. Um, Besides him, uh, Cornelius Johnson, obviously Ohio State fans know that name well after last year. Uh, he's a guy who, number of targets, number of receptions, very similar to Roman Wilson. He just doesn't have like the the touchdowns this year uh, that, that Roman's had. Uh, where I do think that Michigan does create mismatches. Listen, I, I like Roman Wilson. I like Cornelius Johnson. Um, I, I like Michigan's receivers, but I do think that where they create the most mismatches is at their tight end position. Um, they have Colston Loveland. Of course, he scored a touchdown against the Buckeyes last year. AJ Barner, who transferred over uh, from Indiana last offseason. Both of those guys have been fantastic. 
Colston Loveland in particular, like he's a guy who's going to be playing on Sundays in a couple of years as a sophomore, but he's six foot five. He's a solid inline blocker, but he runs and catches like a wide receiver. And that's a guy that, again, if you have a linebacker on him, it's a one-on-one matchup that Michigan will seek out a lot. And it's one that it feels like it can, it can win. Over on the defensive side of the ball, we were talking on our morning podcast on Wednesday morning with, with Dave Biddle and Steve Hellwagon about Ohio, the interior of Ohio State's offensive line against the interior defensive linemen for Michigan. To me, like that's one of the huge keys to this game is, is who wins that. And I think going into the game, I would probably favor Michigan. Um, what do you see from those matchups and just Michigan's defensive line in general this year? Yeah, I, I mean, the defensive line is the strength of the defense, um, and in particular, the interior of the defensive line. There's no there's no Aiden Hutchinson. There's no David Ojabo on this team. Um, certainly, you know, Michigan rotates four edge rushers who are solid, but they're not the game breakers that, that Michigan had in 21. Um, when you're looking at the interior of the defensive line, Michigan has rotated uh, a ton on defense this year, and one of the things I'm very curious about is, you know, when you're in this game, it does that rotation kind of slim down at all because you want to have your best guys out there and who are those best guys? Well, you start with a guy who's going to be playing on Sundays next year, Chris Jenkins, uh, son of an NFL vet, Chris Jenkins, um, but also a couple of those, um, those guys in this game with uh, names of NFL vets. Yeah. 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 Can't think of any others. <laughs> um, you, you look at then a couple of sophomores, uh, in Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, uh, those are really your top three, right? Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant. Um, the two sophomores, uh, Jim Harbaugh called them gifts from the football gods last year, um, just based on their body type, you know, what they're able to do. You know, Chris, uh, excuse me, Kenneth Grant, if you watch the Penn State game, chased down Katron Allen 30 yards downfield. You know, that's him making a tackle, a 300 plus pound defensive tackle 30 yards downfield, making a tackle on a former five-star running back. Um, so like, that's the type of, you know, NFL type play um, that he's able to make. Uh, but yeah, that that's the matchup to watch on the defense because listen, I like the Michigan secondary. Um, the linebackers are talented, they're veterans, but Michigan's going to want to have a lot of guys back in coverage. And the way you're able to do that is if your defensive tackles with just the two of them, whichever two they are, if they can generate pass rush and if they can slow down the Ohio state rushing offense, they have been able to do that this year, right? Michigan's been able to generate pressure with just rushing four. Um, and if they're able to do that on Saturday, then that will allow the secondary to, to slow down your Ibuka, to slow down your Harrison, to, you know, not shut them down, but keep plays in front of you and make Ohio state work the length of the field. Uh, and equally as importantly, keep Kyle McCord on his toes a little bit, keep him uncomfortable. That's, that's the matchup. I think you're exactly right. Like that is what you want to circle because everything else that Ohio state's able to accomplish and everything else that Michigan feels like it can run on defense stems from what its defensive tackles do against the Ohio state interior. Yeah. I saw uh, your, your colleague over at the Michigan insider, Zach Shaw put out a tweet this morning about Kyle McCord, fifth nationally in passer rating in a clean pocket, but 110th under pressure. His completion percentage drops from 72.7% to 38%. Yards per attempt drops from 10.3 to 4. Touchdown interception goes from 20 to 2 to 2 to 2. So uh, I think Ohio State fans, without even hearing that stat, would probably maybe not come up with those numbers, but would recognize McCord has not been fantastic under pressure. So to your point, that battle will be huge. Another battle that's obviously going to be huge, Michigan's secondary against Ohio State's wide receivers. Uh, we, we alluded to Marvin Harrison Jr. just a minute ago, arguably the best receiver in the country. Still some talk about Heisman Trophy um, contention. I think that hinges a lot on what he does in this game. Uh, but the Buckeyes have gotten healthy. Emeka Buka's back and looked more like himself last week. Uh Julian Fleming's in there almost more so for his blocking than his catching, but you never know who makes a play in a game like this. The list goes on. Add in Cade Stover. How in your eyes does Michigan handle what Ohio state can bring when Kyle McCord is able to throw the ball? Yeah, that's something I'm going to be very interested to see early on. Um, 
Listen, the first offensive play of the game for Ohio State last year um, was supposed to be a, a flare, like a fade type play to, to Marvin Harrison Jr., who was matched up one on one with Will Johnson. And Will Johnson, who was a freshman last year, shot that play down, right? So oh, Michigan doesn't like to do it, but they've done it before where they will shadow Will Johnson to whoever they feel is the top receiver uh, yeah. that, that their opponent has. And obviously this week that would be Marvin Harrison Jr. when he's out on the field. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I I could also see that they give that a run and, and see, listen, we're going to match up our, our best cover corner, who's a five-star, who's going to be in the NFL, who, you know, who, who had a solid game against them last year, going to put them one-on-one and, and see what happens. That being said, I expect, I expect the foundation of the Michigan defense in the secondary to, to be zones uh, and to be mixing up zones and dropping guys into coverage and, and trying to keep Kyle McCord guessing um, because to all the stats you just mentioned, I think Kyle McCord in a clean pocket. And if he knows what he's looking at, um, I don't think Michigan secondary holds up. I don't think any secondary in college football for the most part would hold up to that. Um, I have my concerns with the secondary and we've talked about this on, on shows before, right? Is that the big 10 outside of Ohio state and maybe Maryland does not have passing offenses that are really threatening to anybody. Um, and the reason that I still have my concerns is that, you know, Michigan is starting a corner in Josh Wallace who transferred from UMass last year and who has played well throughout this year. Uh, but, you know, he was at UMass for four years and he was at UMass for a reason, right? He's been good, uh, but he's gotten beat a few times this year on double moves uh, and he got beat badly. He got burned. Uh, I don't know if it was Ty Felton or who it was on Maryland last week, but you know, Talia missed the throw, but you know, that's a throw that I'd expect a McCord to make, or maybe Talia the very next snap. Cause he's so roller coaster type of quarterback. Um, but you know, the second corner position outside of Will Johnson was always a question mark coming into this year. And I don't know that, you know, Michigan has had an answer in Josh Wallace, but he hasn't really been tested to the level that he's going to be tested this weekend. Um, similar with the safeties, right. Is, Rod Moore, Makari Page. Rod Moore played in this game the last couple of years. In fact, he started in it as a freshman in 21, if I remember that correctly. Um, Makari Page, very you know natural progression for him to step into a starting safety role. Uh, but they're two guys who are banged up for, for a good portion of the season early on. And while they're probably playing at a high level, they, again, they have not been tested a lot. They've had some issues with missed tackles. And... It's Ohio State. It's Marvin Harrison. It's Cade Stover. It's Emeka Ibuka. It's it's all these guys, um, and we're at week thirteen or you know game twelve of of the season, and there's still lingering doubts about the secondary that I have. Um, so I'm very curious. Very curious. It's got to be zones, right? You, you cannot go man to man. You know this isn't a Don Brown defense where you know you're going man to man with single high safety as as Michigan did under Don Brown, and Ohio State very much took advantage of it. Um, so I think it's got to be make things complicated for McCord because if he doesn't know what he's looking at, that's when mistakes happen. All right the uh, the topic Buckeye fans most want to discuss, um, and I'm sure you're probably sick of talking about it. But pregame flyover, it's pretty <laughs> yes. awesome. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Sharon Moore has been the head coach, the acting head coach for the last two weeks as Jim Harbaugh has been suspended. This all stems from obviously, unless you've had your head under a rock the last month or so, um, the sign stealing investigation with the big 10 and the NCAA just in general, however way you want to take this, how does this whole situation impact Saturday between noon and three 30? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, and I think I picked up a rock the other day. I was out, out for a walk and even the rock asked me, you know, what's going on with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh. No, it's, uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, of course I have a lot of thoughts. Everyone has a lot of thoughts. Um, when it comes to the football game itself, um, listen, Jim Harbaugh has been suspended for half this season, right? It's, it's almost, it's as common for him to be on the sidelines as not. Um, where I have some question marks is with Sharon Moore 
Um, he is going to be a head coach next year somewhere. There's very little doubt about that. Um, I think he's very capable and absolutely deserving of being a head coach. But you think about all the hats that he has to wear on game day now, and it's acting head coach, it is offensive line coach, and it is offensive coordinator. And that is a lot for one person to do. And I just wonder what he sacrifices. Like what things can he not do to his full potential because he has to be the head coach, right? Is it play sequencing, right? Is it, you know, when you are able to to watch the entire game or, or, or if you were able, able to talk to your offensive line um, and kind of give them, coach them up, you know, what are you missing? Because you have to be the acting head coach because you have to have your eye, you know, on what's going on pretty much at all times. Uh, when it comes to Jim Harbaugh being absent, I don't think it impacts a ton on game day, um, but I do wonder how it impacts JJ McCarthy specifically. You know, Jim Harbaugh sees himself in JJ McCarthy. I imagine JJ McCarthy kind of sees a little bit of himself in Jim Harbaugh. You know, these are two people who are very tight with one another. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, of course, is a former quarterback. Uh, and it, Jim Harbaugh is the guy who before every game goes and slaps JJ on the shoulders and, you know, gives him the pump up and, you know, during games gives him feedback on what he's seeing on the field and what's different when your head coach is not a quarterback, but is, you know, a former, you know, offensive lineman and an offensive line coach in Sharon Moore, you know, what type of things are you missing there? And then big picture, it's, I, I understand how people feel about the Michigan versus everybody kind of response from the team. Um, I think it's a little bit silly in some regards too. And in most regards, really like it's um, if, if you, uh, if you broke the rules and you're punished, you can't say Michigan versus everyone. It's just, you know, maybe the consequence of your actions, uh, even if Jim Harbaugh was not personally involved in it. Um, That being said, as we saw with Kirby smart and Georgia every year, right? Like what is, what is the best thing you can do to a team that is already talented and already successful? It's make people feel like everybody outside the program doubts you. Um, And that's how Michigan feels right now. You know, Michigan players, though, they say they're keeping everything, you know, focused on the game. It's a one track mind. You know, you can't go anywhere in the sports world right now and not hear about how Michigan's success last year and the year before was due to the fact that they, cheated right um that the only reason they won the big 10 the only reason they beat ohio state is because they had the signs um so i think there is motivation there to prove that they are you know that the team is not just hey we knew what was coming and that's why we beat you it's you know we beat you because we are more physical than you in the trenches we beat you because we are better players because we are a better program whatever it is i think there is a lot of motivation there and I think it's from both sides. It will turn the rivalry up to 11 and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. That it will be Uh, Alejandro. Thank you for jumping on with us. A lot of good insight from you. Uh, I've enjoyed our little chats each uh, Monday this year. As I said on your show, I will miss doing those though. We could just keep it up. What we got basketball season. We could talk basketball, but no one wants to hear about Ohio state basketball right now. Uh, but thank you very much. Thanks for talking with us all year. I know you've been on this a couple times now, so I do appreciate it. And I will see you in Ann Arbor on Saturday. Yep. Safe travels. See you at the big house. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right. That was Alejandro Zuniga. Uh, one of our writers over at the Michigan insider on 24 seven sports. Um, I would tell you to go over there and read their writing as I do most weeks, but I know that that has not been the recipe for success um, between these two teams and especially with some of the stuff that's gone on on their site, Alejandro and Zach excluded. Uh, Maybe just stick to Bucknuts or any Ohio State site this week and uh, read about whatever comes next when it comes. Um, We're going to get into this game more from the Ohio State perspective here shortly. Hopefully we'll be joined by Tyvis Powell and uh, Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan. Excited to have Tyvis back on to talk Buckeyes. Uh, I saw a couple questions come in. I figure I'll answer these while we wait for those two guys to jump in here. Um, 
Brad Kramer asks, what role do you see Dallin Hayden playing? feels like he's the secret weapon in this game. Uh, honestly, and this is just me. I know I've heard other people say otherwise. I don't expect Dallin Hayden to be very involved. I just, look, would I involve him in this game? Probably, because I think he's a really talented running back who could help the Buckeyes. But for whatever reason, Ryan Day and, and his staff are insistent on you know, we're only going to use Dallin Hayden in, in small bits here and there or when we have to. Um, you know, he can play in one more game. So maybe they've got something cooked up where Dallin Hayden's going to be involved more than he has. But you've just seen so little of him this year. And even last season, they didn't play him until they were forced to. It would surprise me, which maybe means they will do it this year. Um, but I I would I, 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 don't know, I would be very surprised if Dallin Hayden has some bigger role in this game other than maybe, you know, coming in if Ohio state is up big or um, you know, if somebody gets hurt and he needs to come into the game, that's kind of my thinking. Um, let's uh, let's get into the, some of this here. We've got Timmy Hall from 97.1, the fans, the Buckeye show and Tyvis Powell live from his car. What's going on guys. Now, Hello. now that's dedication. Hello. That is dedication, that is dedication uh, Tyvis, from the I'm, car. And look, I'm in a blue jacket series. Oh, hey, hey. Tyvis, <laughs> Hi. Hi, coming, man. Are you driving the car? I am driving the car. I'm almost at home, though. I'm, like, literally two minutes away. <laughs> you don't have to die. He, you look like the Ayatollah Khomeini from Back to the Future. You're just glitching <laughs> out there. Eh, 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 eh. You working? No. As long I'm as you not- I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. As long He's as dropping can off hear a you. big bag of cash at some recruit's house. Yes. <laughs> NIL. NIL, baby. Oh my Bringing a big fish. All right. Have fun. Buckeyes win 27 24. You heard it there. <laughs> so, Tyvis, I was going to drink some of the, uh, the 1870 boom beer on this podcast, but I decided in your honor, I would go sober for this show, even Whoa. though it's the Buckeyes happy hour. Um, no, actually, I just didn't grab it in time and forgot to do it before the show started. Well, look at that, Timmy. Hey. You got stealing signs in there? Yeah, we got a uh, Matt from Saucy just came by and dropped off a little four pack of these. They were uh, they were assigned to T-Bone. T-Bone knows the man, and T-Bone was nice enough to give me one of them out of the four pack. So. It's not cracked Tim, open. I, f- I figured this could be the victory brew, Pat. Maybe if they don't win, I never drink it. I don't get to taste what the stealing signs is like. I mean, it's a hazy IPA, so I can figure it out. But I'm only going to drink this if we're victorious. All right. All right. Love well, let's get, into, let's get into it. Um, Tyvis, I want to ask you – when you were watching this game growing up versus once you got in and were playing in, in this game, how different was it from what you expected it to be watching it as a fan to actually being a player on the field? Well, it's a huge difference. I mean, the biggest difference is, you know, you don't get to see the emotion behind it. Like, yeah, you grow up and you're, you, you grow that hatred for that team. But until you actually on the field and you see the energy and uh, the motivation that they have to try to come take your head off, you really won't understand it. So, you know, the, my freshman year, I red shirted and I got to just watch it from the sidelines. And I just seen just the energy that our players had to have. I remember I'll never forget. It was Christian Bryant. And he went like insane because he like made Denar Robinson fumble the ball or something like that. And I just remember the look in his face after he did that. I was like, oh my goodness, this is how I got to be next year when it's my time to get on the field. So when my time came, I knew that I had to be ready to die. I had to be ready to die over trying to win this game. And that was just, you don't get that from being a fan at home and watching it. You have to be in the game to truly understand that part yeah that makes sense tim i know you did not grow up with this though you've embraced the rivalry since you've been in columbus and on the fan what do you remember about this game 
you know, I don't know if it was before you got here or, or afterwards, but what like stands out as your first memory of Ohio State? Yeah. Well, I, I get asked that I get asked that a lot, Pat. Sure. And you know, I, I I guess I come from from a different perspective. You hear about players that are big time recruits, and look, uh, Ohio State scours the earth now, right? Not just the United States of America. Look at Hero Canoe to find the best talent. And you know, Kyle McCord's been asked about this being a Philly kid and what his you know views of the rivalry were growing up. And and the thing of it is, it's such a big time matchup. So. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you are a fan of sports, you are going to have some kind of connection and link to this rivalry. The the big season for me, uh, and look, I'm I'm 39 years old, so I was kind of getting into my wheelhouse in the 2002 national championship run. That's that's the year I graduated high school, right? So I am I'm a a red blooded football fan at that point in my life, and I had one of my good buddies from high school came out to where I was living at the time. We were doing a little skiing and we were watching, you know, all the big football games at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan was there. And that 2002 season, I just I remember the Buckeyes from several of those big games because my parents were Purdue alums. So, of course, you've got the Holy Buckeye game. So that one, you know, I I wouldn't say I was a Purdue fan, but kind of like chops here on the station with his Iowa background. I wasn't I wasn't actively rooting against my parents' alma mater. I'm you know I'm interested in in uh, in everything that's going on in that college football season. But certainly that 2002 game when they sealed their undefeated regular season, that's that's one of the first ones for me. And then the first year that I was here doing this job, I came in in the middle of the 2012 football season. So time has time has flown, and here we are in 2023. But it was that year where they're not eligible. That season gets talked about a lot. Tyvis was there and I really remember the guy that wasn't there and he talked about sort of the mood from one of his teammates now now I got to be ready to die in this game the fact that John Simon wasn't around for that one was was one of my biggest memories and just all of the camaraderie around him who I talk about I talk about Urban's Thanksgiving table on the show a lot it's perfect because here we are around Thanksgiving John Simon has an armchair at the head of one of those tables he's pushing Tim Tebow out of the house like he's such an Urban Meyer guy and the fact that he's not in that game but they go out there and they win it uh I mean he if there was any way possible right it's like we get to Tommy Eichenberg coming up this week he would have played but that's I, I know that was a lot, but that's just a, a lot of my thoughts on growing up and the first one here at the station and everything that is Ohio State, Michigan. All right, Tim, I know you have a hard out here because you've got some work or something to do. Um, I just want to get your your overall thoughts on this year's matchup and maybe throw in what you think, how you think the Michigan scandal situation will affect this game. I I don't know if the Michigan <laughs> scandal affects this game maybe more than like two or three uh, percent it doesn't it's not going to factor in much for me because I haven't thought about it in a couple of days now it is a one-track mind it is full focus everything that Ohio State needs to be doing has has nothing to do with what's already been done with the scandal and they were stealing signs that goes to bed this is a game that's about what it's always about physicality toughness in the trenches running the football when you can run the football, stopping the run on defense. That's everything that this is about. That uh, running the football might be my biggest area of concern for Ohio State on offense, even though I feel better about that lately because of what Travion Henderson has provided for this offense. I feel like if they keep peppering and peppering and peppering and stay to it, even if they do have some zero, one, or two-yard carries, that eventually they'll get that 15-yarder, maybe that 25, maybe that 50-yarder that we're going to remember. But uh, I think it's going to come down to that where it's a ground and pound first to three touchdowns wins this game with how good the defenses are. And as far as the scandal, Pat, I don't think it amounts to much anymore. Tyvis, similar question to you. Um, but does, does what's happened up in Ann Arbor, you talk about having been a part of this rivalry. Does that uh, boil your blood maybe a little bit more than someone like Tim or I who are looking at this <laughs> from the outside in? You know, I mean, yes, but listen, I'm a realist. You know, I give people credit where credit's due. Yeah, did they steal signs? Yeah, did they cheat? Yeah, but, you know, 
I really wasn't upset with them stealing signs for the most part. The part that I was upset with, like in twenty in twenty twenty one, they just completely out physicaled us. Like that's I don't think stealing signs had anything to do with that. And then in twenty twenty two last year, I thought that they kind of out schemed us. You know, stealing signs had nothing to do with Donovan Edwards breaking a long run or Cornelius Johnson being left wide open on a busted coverage. Like stealing signs had nothing to do with those things. So when I think about this season with all of the scandals that's going on. I think that for a lot of people, you know, they take those last two dubs and put an asterisk by it because of the scandal. But I think this year, obviously, there will be no cheating going on. But I think that for this team, um, I think that they're they're doing it for C.J. Stroud, you know, Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones, you know, guys like Zach Harrison. Like, that's what this game to me, if I was playing, that's what this is about. Because as great as a quarterback as C.J. was, a guy who is dedicated, your leader, a guy who as of really recently just found out, he got cheated out of these two games. So it's about doing this for him and trying to get that legacy back and let him know, hey, bro, we would have won with you. They just cheated you out of it. So I think that's what the motivation behind this year is. And obviously, you know, for Ryan Day to try to get back to that 500 record, I think he's, what, one and two against him to get back to 500, to be two and two. I think it's a ton of motivation that's going to be there for him. Tyvis, on that last note, it's one thing about winning for those players that didn't get a chance to. Do you, I haven't heard this talked about much this week, but we hit on it a little bit last week. Do you think everyone in that locker room wants to try to win this one for Ryan Day to get some of the noise out of there about him? Absolutely. I mean, listen, they love Ryan Day. Ryan Day is probably the most genuine, authentic coaches in college. I mean, I've never seen a coach like Ryan Day that genuinely cares about his players all the way through, you know, whether they're doing something for you or not. And you got to respect a guy like that because obviously they hear the noise too. They get on Twitter. They see social media. They see the things that people say about their coach. And if it's a guy that you respect and you love and admire, you want to only keep him in positive light. They know the great things that he do for this this school and this program, and they never want to lose a guy like that. So they're going to go out there and they're going to play as hard as they absolutely can for somebody that they love. Tyvis, when you look at some matchups in this game, what stands out the most to you from what Ohio State needs to do versus Michigan on that side of the ball and, and vice versa? I think that when that went, for me, the key to this game is the offensive line on both teams. Okay. Because in the past, I thought the Wolverines' offensive line was really good. And this year, I can't necessarily say that. I think I've seen them get beat up a couple of times. So, and I think that our offensive line, obviously, we've seen that there's a they're a work in progress. As of late, they've been so much better. But this game is going to be about who can run the ball the best. Because whoever can run the ball the best, that defense is going to sell out trying to stop that. And now the passing game becomes a factor. Obviously, last year they went into that game thinking, we're going to do everything we can to stuff stuff the run and make J.J. McCarthy beat us. And guess what? He did. So, same thing this year. I think... They're going to have to do that same thing, but that secondary is so much better. That defense is so much better. I mean, they're not even giving up more than seven points in the, in the second half of games. So I think that's a key part for us. I think they want to find out if Kyle McCord can actually beat them. I think that's the, the test. Obviously, we've seen him do it against Notre Dame, and he was able to get that done. But in a rivalry game, even C.J. Stroud couldn't get it done. So – what makes them think that Kyle McCord can? So I think the game is going to somehow, some way, get put on Kyle McCord's shoulders, and he has to deliver. I, I will say, though, I think C.J. Stroud couldn't get it done because his defense kept failing again and again and again. And there's there's only so much a man can do. And, and I, Like I said it before, I, I think the defense has improved to a point now where if, I'm confident that if you get three touchdowns on the board – you win this game. That's what I think. And Urban was on our station this morning. Urban was on Morning Juice. And he had something interesting about the perception of Michigan's run game. If you look up, Michigan's lines have been good, right? Like, they, they've been good these last few years. Again, though, we also got to factor in, you know, how the depths they went to stealing signs. And could, what was that defensive line maybe more privy to win – teams when you talk Tyvis when you're scouting third and short third and medium third and long third and extra long what are these guys going to run maybe that helps but overall they've had players they've pumped into the pros o-line d-line has been good but 
Their run game is only 49th in the country. That's not dominant by any metric. When you think about what Michigan's backs have been with Corum and Edwards and how they <laughs> ran all over Ohio State in a couple of those games, 49th in the country isn't that. And his point about how they ran it 32 times against Penn State, that was more about how 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 uh, dead in the water Penn State's offense was and how much trust Michigan had in its defense. So I'd like to hope and I'd like to think that with Tommy Eichenberg back and a solid defensive line for the Buckeyes, that they can stop the run and maybe make this game go to some other area where it's going to be won. And like like Tyva said, if Kyle McCord's got to throw the ball, I, I like the weapons. I like the weapons that Ohio State has. And I think Emeka Igbuka getting back into the mix is a major, major factor in this football game. All right, Tim, I know you got to go. Um, so thank you for jumping on. Tyvis, I got two more questions for you. Timmy, uh, I'll talk to you for – what are we doing? The podcast version of the Buckeye show this week? Yeah, yeah. We've got uh with the holiday here and and some Buckeye men's basketball. Go Bucks Friday. They got a game against Alabama. So that'd be nice if you can swing that into into game day on Saturday. Big one for them. But yeah, we'll put uh we'll put something on the Buckeye Show podcast feed with our beers and buckeyes. No, no drinking the 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 stealing signs yet, though. Nope, not yet. All right, thanks, Tim. We'll All talk right. to you soon. Go Bucks. All right, Tyvis. Uh one thing. I'm interested in seeing in this game is how the Buckeyes use Sonny Styles. I think if Lathan Ransom were healthy, we'd have a better idea. But what what do you envision Sonny's role being, given that he has been moved back to that bandit position as opposed to the the bigger nickel spot he was playing earlier in the year? You know, I think that when you look at, you know, the options, okay, so, yeah, would you like to have Sonny Styles in the box where he was comfortable at, where he was making the plays? Absolutely. But I think that to be just the fact that Josh Proctor's back, I think Josh Proctor fits that role more than he fits the post safety role. Obviously, last year we seen him in that post and it wasn't great. He struggled a bunch there. So I think Sonny has more athletic ability and more upside in the post, which is why he will be playing that post this game and why Josh Proctor has to be effective, which he has been unbelievable this season. You know, so I think that's why it's better fit that he, Josh Proctor, stays in the box. And then one of the questions a bunch of the players were asked yesterday was about keeping your emotions in check in a game like this. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, you see the highlights before the game every year. You see the pushing and the shoving, uh, all sorts of stuff that's gone on on the field. But you don't want to you don't want to have that happen and have you lose 15 yards in a big play from your time in these games. What's the key to kind of balancing that emotion? That, that comes with a big rivalry game, the big rivalry game like this one? You know, it's just being smart, you know. And that the thing is, and I think this is where we failed at last year, because I think we had a person, I think G. Scott actually had the personal foul penalty. Yes. You know, just keep it between the whistles. You know, between the whistles, you're free to do whatever. You can be as physical as you want. You can talk trash as much as you want. Just keep it between the whistles, and you got to be smart. You can't allow the emotions of the game and what the things that they're saying distract you from the main goal. You know, if that's going to help you get to where you want to get, cool, keep it towards the whistle. You can, like I said, nobody's telling you not to be physical. Nobody's telling you to do the extra stuff. You block as hard as you can. You come up and you fit as hard as you can, but make sure you do it when the whistle is going. And if you can do that, you know, that's how you you, you pretty much stay level-headed. You know, they're going to try to bait you into everything, but you don't have to You don't have to take the bait. Listen, they can talk crazy to you. If anybody can say something crazy to you while, you know, the plays is being called. They tell them to keep that same energy when when that ball gets snapped. Then we could talk about it. Then we could see if you really, man, you really are about what you're talking about. So I think that's the approach that you got to take in these games. You have a score prediction ready for for this one yet, or are you waiting? <sighs> you know, I've been on the. I, I'm. I feel like this is like a twenty-one seventeen type of game. All one right. of those, yeah. Buckeyes, right? If I have to say that, then, you know, <laughs> what do I look like saying the other thing? I yeah. make no sense. 2117. Yeah. All right, Tyvis, thanks a bunch. I know you are one of the busiest men in sports right now. So <laughs> I appreciate your time and insight. It was good stuff. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, man. No problem. Go, Bucks. All right. All right. Thanks to Tyvis and Timmy Hall there for jumping on. Uh, if you don't listen when they are on the Buckeye show together and I have I I do like the fan. I'm on the fan occasionally. They don't pay me any money to say this. I think Tyvis and Timmy uh, are 
one of the best duos on sports talk radio. And uh, Tyvis has, has blossomed into quite the, unsurprisingly, quite the personality on Sports Talk Radio. So if you're in Columbus, you have the 97.1 fan app. I recommend listening when those two are together. All right. I want to give some final thoughts here before we end this week's happy hour. Uh, we're pushing on a full hour here, which we haven't done in a little while. So um, there was another question or at least a comment that uh, popped up earlier while uh, before Tyvis and Timmy came on, I didn't get a chance to, uh, but we did kind of touch on that. Sonny Styles will cover Michigan's tight ends. GOJ said, um, I think it's going to be interesting. Like I was just asking Tyvis how Sonny Styles is used in this game, because I think in, in the ideal world, you, know, you have Lathan Ransom at the bandit. You can use Sonny Styles as that bigger nickel to cover the, the tight ends um, to help in the run game, those type of things. But with Lathan out, you don't have that guy in there. Now, we did see last week a little bit when Minnesota went with two tight ends on the field. Uh, Jim Knowles brought Jihad Carter, the Syracuse safety, who has not played much this year, into the game and moved Sonny back to that big nickel position. If that happens, um, you know, I will be interested. It, it's a big moment to thrust a guy like Jihad Carter in, and especially when Jordan Hancock has played as well as he has. But Jim Knowles did say this weekend, you know, Jordan has shown he has the ability to go up and make hits against the run and can do that. But they don't want to use him that way as much because he's got a smaller frame than some of those other guys. Obviously, you don't want a guy like that to get hurt. So I'll be interested to see how they use Sonny and, and kind of what the game plan is against Michigan's talented tight ends because they certainly have them. Um, while I finish up with a couple more comments, I've seen some score predictions thrown in here. So throw yours out there in the comments if you are uh, – if you're watching this live, Timothy Mulford said 31-13 Ohio State. Um, I'll try and pull up some other ones here. Um, GOJ said Ohio State 42-17. That, that is a big difference. Uh, Julian Foreman, Denzel going Thanos on Michigan 35-17. Um, if I missed any other ones, feel free to throw them back in there. Um, Jonathan Dickens 38-17. Buckeyes. Everyone's really confident here. I like that. Uh, so I think that a couple keys that, that we've touched on, but I want to elaborate on a little bit more. Um, this is a big moment for Kyle McCord. I don't think I need to explain that, but look, as, as we touched on with Tyvis and, and Timmy, CJ Stroud didn't win this game and it wasn't CJ Stroud's fault. He didn't win this game. Um, either of the two years he started in it, but this could be a, and I've said this a couple weeks, like I think Kyle McCord is making progress to a big uh, senior year next season, but a, a big stepping off point for him if he can beat Michigan. And he doesn't even need to be the reason they beat Michigan. He has to make some throws. He's definitely going to have to make some throws. He may have to lead a big drive late in the game, things like that. But, you know, I don't think he needs a throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns in this game. But if he can be the quarterback that ends Michigan's two-game winning streak, especially with everything else going on here, kind of the talk that's surrounded him throughout this year, I think that's a big confidence booster for Kyle McCourt. And not even only for next season, but for a Big Ten championship game against really good defense in Iowa. And then there's this college football playoff that's likely sitting out there if Ohio State, well, almost certainly sitting out there if Ohio State wins this game. Uh I think that could really help Kyle be prepared for the bigger challenges or e equal challenges that are coming um, against Iowa's defense and then potentially in the college football playoffs. So I think this is a huge moment for Kyle. I don't think he's going to be uh, – I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him, but if he can come out of there as the quarterback that won this game, especially against a guy in J.J. McCarthy who was in his class, was also being recruited by Ohio State, they picked, they being the Buckeyes and Ryan Day picked Kyle McCord. I think that's huge. The guy that I think that could be the difference maker, and obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of them. Um, you know, if they want to really put the attention to covering Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca but we touched on him a little bit. Travion Henderson. Since he's come back from injury, Travion Henderson has been a different player. Let me read to you Travion Henderson's game log since he's come back. Um, against Wisconsin, 24 carries, 162 yards, one touchdown, four catches, 45 yards. 
against Rutgers. 22 carries, 128 yards, one touchdown, five catches, 80 yards. Against Michigan State, basically just played the first half, 13 carries, 63 yards, one touchdown, two catches, 14 yards. Last week against Minnesota, 15 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns. That included the big 75-yard run um, to start the second half. Two receptions, 26 yards. He has not been healthy. We talked about this on the Bucknuts Morning 5 on Wednesday morning. He has not been healthy in this game. He didn't play last year, was banged up as a freshman. This is as healthy as we've seen Travion this late in the year. It's not just the 75-yard touchdown play. You know, Maybe he doesn't even get one of those. But like the first play from uh, Ohio State offensively last week was a 15-yard run that kind of set the tone against Minnesota. And it was a well-blocked run. And then he just runs through some arm tackles, picks up 15 yards. Buckeyes are off and running. You need that those plays from Trayvon Henderson. If you can hit the home run, great. If he can score a big touchdown that flips momentum or gives Ohio State an even bigger lead, I think that's great. But those those runs that you know get you a first down on first and 10 and get the sticks moving or, or maybe even get you eight yards so that you're in second and short, plays like that that he's become better and better at throughout throughout this season I think are going to be huge defensive side of the ball. I know we've talked about Tommy Eichenberg a lot. I think getting him back for this game, and, and Ryan Day said again on his radio show, everyone should be back except Lathan Ransom, uh, I think is huge, huge for this team. Um, you know, I know it hasn't been the best season for these linebackers at times, but this is a game that Tommy Eichenberg really matters in, and I think he could be a big difference maker um, for the Buckeyes. Having Mike Hall back is going to be big too. He only missed one game. Tommy Eichenberg has missed the last couple um, so, you know, I think not only the, what he gives you on the field, but the fact that he's going to be fired up having to miss, having to miss these last two games, Ryan Day said after the game, it was basically a fist fight to tell Tommy Eichenberg, he wasn't going to play on his senior day. Woo. I would not want to be the first person to take a hit from Tommy Eichenberg on Saturday against Michigan. Um, so yeah, I think that those are, those are kind of the, the guys, I think Cade Stover, too, could could be an interesting one. Um, I saw a couple more predictions come in here. We'll throw these up here. Michael Hester, Buckeyes 40, team up north 7. Big score there. Keith Swords, OSU 27 to 13. Cody Nelson says he's thinking 28 to 14. I assume that's Ohio State. Uh, Chris Miller, Buckeyes 24-14. Bob Byers, 24-22 again. I expect that that was a uh, a Buckeyes win there. Uh, as I said on the Bucknuts Morning 5, I'm still – I haven't made a prediction yet. Certainly leaning Buckeyes, especially after the last couple weeks where Michigan looked vulnerable. Um, so coming up with the what you'll be reading headline, uh, Jeff Bichuk, uh 69-0 OSU. That would be something. Uh, Timothy Sprague. 34 13. Um, anyway, the coming up with what you'll be reading on Sunday, a bit more difficult this week, just because I think this game's, I think if you're one of the people like my girlfriend who like doesn't function well during tight games, uh, I get text messages that I don't read till after the game of her freaking out during Buckeye games that are remotely close. Um, if you're one of those people, you know, Get started early. Do whatever you have to do to calm down because I think this is going to be three and a half, four hours of just a, a rock fight. I can't imagine that this score looks like it has the last two years um, in terms of you know one team really pulling away. I think it's going to be just just a fight. Maybe, maybe one team gets a touchdown late to, to make the score look a little different. Um, but, boy, I – I think if you're one of those people that's anxious during football games, be prepared for uh, an anxious Saturday afternoon. But look, this is why we, this is the main reason why we love watching the Buckeyes, right? Um, you know, not, it's not for the wins at the beginning of the season against Youngstown State, right? Those are great. It's fun. You know, the Buckeyes are going to win, it's a stress free day. It's not for Notre Dame at night. That was an awesome game. Had a great time. Anyone who was there, I imagine you had a fantastic time. If you watched it at home, that was fun. It's not for Penn State. 
uh, at home. It's for this game. This is the game that, you know, Buckeye Nation is about. And uh, we get it once a year. It's almost here. We've got a couple more days here. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. Um, Try not to stress out too much when you're around your family, unless everybody's stressing out about it. And, you know, try and enjoy it as much as you can on Saturday in Ann Arbor. I think it's going to be, like I said, a hell of a game. Uh, I didn't have my beer today, so I can't send you out with a chug. But cheers, Buckeye fans. We will, regardless of weather, whatever happens, whatever happens, we'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll be talking Big Ten Championship game and, and Buckeyes Iowa. If not, we'll have uh we'll have a couple beers here and uh be in sorrow together because I certainly want to go to Indy and I want to keep the dream alive of going back and covering the playoffs. So talk to you guys soon. Uh after the games, Steve and I'll be on Dave's what we learned live. Plenty more stuff on Bucknuts. Thanks again to Alejandro Zaniga of our Michigan site at 24-7 Sports. Thanks again to Tyvis Powell and Timmy Hall from The Fan for jumping on, talking Buckeyes with us. We'll see you guys after the game on Saturday. Should be interesting. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.